Hi, and welcome to Build 'em Up, where we hear from great people building the health and well-being of rural communities right around Australia. This Build 'em Up podcast is proudly supported by NBN. I'm Claire from the National Rural Health Alliance, together with Gabriel, our CEO and passionate rural health advocate. Thanks, Claire. And in episode 11, we're catching up with Bendigo GP, Kirby White, to talk about her initiative called Gowns for Doctors, which began when rural health practitioners couldn't access enough personal protective equipment at the start of COVID-19. So welcome, Kirby. It's lovely to have you on Build Em Up. Thanks, Gabrielle. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you to you and Claire for having me today. Very good. So before we get down to the business of of homegrown PPE, can you give us a bit of a sense of how the pandemic response is going in your neck of the woods? So Gabrielle, I'm based in central Victoria in Bendigo. I run a sole general practice clinic here uh, with roughly 350 patients on my workload at the moment. And with the recent Omicron spike, it's it's been incredibly challenging. General practice has really stretched out from a five-day week to a seven-day week for me um, just to support those patients, whether it be swabbing, giving isolation advice, providing care for those that have moderate to severe COVID and needing escalation. So I, I would say that this year has been the beginning of a very challenging year for me here in Bendigo. Yes, have you been involved in doing the vaccination program as well? I've recently set this clinic up and at the moment I'm not providing the COVID vaccinations at this stage. We have a wonderful uh, state government run vaccination centre here just down the road. So a lot of my patients are accessing support through that clinic at this stage. Yeah, so when you've been dealing with COVID for more than two years now, And you've just talked about going off to sort of a seven day a week job. How are you and your colleagues managing fatigue and the mental strain of COVID? Oh, look, there's there's no doubt that all of the colleagues here in Bendigo are under a point of burnout. I think we've reached a time in general practice where reflecting on where we've come from has not only been challenging, but looking into the future is really quite scary How are we going to continue working the hours that we are doing, providing the exceptional care that we are providing with difficulties in terms of the unknown with COVID? I know for myself and my close colleagues here at Glen Eagles Health, every week we get to work not knowing what's going to change in the vaccination program, Uh, the boosters that are available, even the scenario with isolating and testing with the rat test and PCR and also dealing with travel medicine. I've had a lot of patients now who are very fortunate to get married after three to four uh, cancellations with their weddings and they're trying to plan their honeymoons and wanting to travel overseas. So having to navigate that area of travel medicine with COVID has been a real struggle. Yeah. 
And so do you feel like you are well supported um, among your peers and um, your professional groups and um, or, or, or is, it, is it an isolating feeling for you being rural? I think this pandemic, Claire, has given an amazing sense of camaraderie in general practice. Mm. It's certainly palpable for me here in the clinic knowing that I'm not on my own and the diverse feelings that I'm having in this pandemic, I'm sharing these feelings with thousands of other GPs across the country. But I'm also seeing it in social media Uh, various Facebook groups, GPs Down Under, for example, is a wonderful supportive group and hearing other people's experiences in rural general practice brings that reality to me that this is a real problem. We're all tired, we're all exhausted, we all have this sense of uncertainty and for me personally, I reflect on that as this is okay, this is a normal feeling We are dealing with something that we've never dealt with before and we've not been trained on this area of disaster medicine, which is essentially what we're practising. And so I just take comfort in that, in knowing that there's a wider community out there who, who share that stress and worry that I share every morning when I get dressed for work. And I take comfort in reading other people's struggles and tips of resilience. Um, And so I'm really guided by that at the moment. Mm. So you are operating under, you know, extreme duress pretty much. Um, And as you say, it's disaster management really. Yet you have also um, done an incredible thing, um, stepping up to uh, introduce this initiative of gowns for doctors but obviously it was out of pure necessity so take us back to the start of the initiative and and what were you thinking at the time yeah so Claire at the beginning of 2020 I had just opened a new rural general practice clinic with my business colleague and we were two weeks into opening opening this clinic Australia had had its first case of COVID-19 And we were watching what was unfolding overseas. And part of me was hoping that we were never going to follow that journey for our overseas colleagues. But deep down, we knew that this was coming. And sure enough, two weeks in it hit. We were a new clinic that didn't have adequate stocks of PPE and it's not something that's high on your priority list of consumables when you're setting up a a rural general practice clinic Um, because not many of us have really been consulting with an N95 mask for four hours twice a day wearing a full gown. You know, this is medicine that we've never really had to endure. And so trying to find PPE, we couldn't get it imported We couldn't purchase it locally. Every online provider was sold out and it got to a stage where we thought we simply can't see patients face-to-face if we don't protect ourselves. It was a situation much like when you're on an aeroplane and those oxygen masks drop down, fit your own oxygen mask first before doing others and we adopted that approach. We have to protect ourselves so that we can protect the community Mm. and 
it seemed like such a bizarre idea at the time that my business partner and I thought, we just might sew some gowns. Let's sew some gowns. And it was Are you a, a sewer? No, not at all. <laughs> okay. Gosh, I can barely knit in a straight line, let alone sew a gown. <laughs> Um, but here we were. It was a really hot Sunday, early March in 2020. We're sitting in the waiting room of our clinic. You can still smell the paint on the walls that we just painted. Mm-hmm. And we're sewing these gowns. And during the course of a week to two weeks, we wore these gowns. We commercially laundered these gowns. We really criticised what could be improved with these gowns and we made these improvements and we realised that we actually had a quite a fantastic product. It was really fit for purpose. Yep. It worked well. It was comfortable. And so we thought we've got to supply these to people in our region, particularly mm-hmm. rural doctors who are struggling. We're small clinics. The community depends on us. Many rural and regional towns across our country often only have one general practice clinic. If they're not seeing patients, what are our community going to do? And so this bizarre idea came up that we would supply 100 gowns as a goal to all the GP clinics across Bendigo and the wider rural community. And it's just really taken off. And next minute we were doing all of Victoria and now Australia. So tell us about that. I mean, the response that you had to that siren call of, you know, calling out for volunteers and actually making it explode the way it did. I cannot be any more thankful for volunteers, Claire. As you know, I'm not a sewer and we struggled to sew 10 for our clinic. I was not sewing seven or 8,000 for the rest of our, our country. And so we reached out to a local radio station and they put an announcement out early on a Monday morning at about 7am saying these two rural GPs in Bendigo need some sewers. Anybody would like to sew, please email this address. And it just went berserk. (laughs) We had hundreds of emails over the course of the morning of men and women from as young as 15 all the way up into their 80s saying, we want to help. We can donate fabric. We are experienced sewers. I'm a seamstress. I'm out of work because of COVID. What can I do? And it was just beautiful to see the foundations of this project being built purely on volunteers. Mm, Fantastic. And as you say, we all appreciate high-quality fashion, especially flamingos, which I understand is your (laughs) favourite type of fashion. Um, And as you say, you haven't skimped on the quality of the gowns um, despite it being a charitable project. You've actually, you've gone beyond what was a normal, you know, benchmark product. Yeah, look, in the first couple of weeks of creating this project, there was a lot of research put into the types of fabric that provide good protective quality, the weave of the fabric, the sewing of the banding around the neck and the their cuff and also the waistband and we had to design a product that was really one size fits all we didn't have a team behind us that could take orders for small medium large etc and ship these orders accordingly we had to make them quickly and dispatch them quickly so that they could be put to purpose and the Bendigo community really didn't disappoint. We were having 300 to 400 community gowns sewn and delivered back to our clinic within a week 
and we found a logistical transport company that volunteered to transport our gowns across the state. And so what seemed like a wild idea in March, it was a, a very well very well run method of getting gowns to doctors. Kirby, tell me, you're talking about getting a logistics um, transport company and that sort of thing, um, and you had all these volunteers willing to do the sewing, but who did all the coordination? Did you do all of that bit or did you have a staff member doing it? Oh, Gabrielle, it was my business partner, Dr Nicole Lowe and myself coordinating this project We would see patients from 8.30 till 6.30 at night and then the rest of our evening until the late hours was organising this project. Our poor practice manager at the time must have thought, what have I gotten myself into? (laughs) She was dealing with people dropping fabric off at the clinic. Our tea room looked like spotlight. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And all of these cars were just coming through like a drive-through, dropping off gowns, picking up gown packs of pre-cut fabric ready to sew for the next week. So the coordination took a lot of hours initially. Once we finessed that, it worked incredibly well. And even to date, it's all done after hours after we finish seeing patients. I'm feeling exhausted just listening to this story, but (laughs) I'm feeling inspired. (laughs) Um, So tell me, stepping up and banding together is a pretty strong rural tray. So when you go to sleep at night, how do you feel about your contribution to the rural health sector? I think this is one of the most proudest moments of my life, certainly in my career, I mean, I am a mum with two children. You're very proud of your children. But to watch this project unfold has been incredible and I have taken a great amount of satisfaction and accomplishment from this project, which I never set out to achieve at the beginning. It was purely survival mode at the beginning. We have helped ourselves and now let's help others because I didn't like the feeling of helplessness at the beginning of the pandemic and it was sickening to know that there were so many people in rural areas even less supported than I am in Bendigo and it was just this incredible urge to be able to help those general practitioners. And I would say that this project has really been designed and developed to help rural and regional doctors and they were the GPs that were calling out for help. And so we provided what we could to help them through the pandemic. Mm. So can you tell us something about the feedback that the colourful gowns are having on the mood and culture of the um, medicos, the nurses and other health professionals? Oh, look, Gabrielle, I've realised in the last two years that the health professionals have wonderful personalities and some of the photos that I've received back of funny poses in these gowns with their brightly coloured pictures of dogs and moustaches and you name it, we've seen it. And um, here we are. You see the whole team in the clinic and sometimes that clinic might have 50 people and sometimes that clinic might have three. And it's really beautiful to see that contrast of two doctors and one practice nurse versus 
five practice nurse, two allied health and seven doctors. And they're all smiling. They're all having fun. They've taken time out of their day to capture these moments and send them through to us. I've, I've had a lot of laughs and, you know, that's really one of the beautiful outcomes of what this project has achieved. Mm. So where, where do you see the future going? Do you think into the future you'll be continuing on the project um, as we sort of settle into our new normal? Yeah, look, it is, really is a new normal, Gabrielle. It's, um, we all thought that 2021 would be a better year and then 2022 and here we are and I don't know what 2023 will bring, but at the beginning of the project, nobody could access PPE. Now we do have access to PPE, but it is single-use PPE and it is a, a very uncomfortable, hot, sweaty, plastic, boring PPE Something that these gowns are offering, I'm finding even now, clinics are requesting gowns not out of a sense of need but out of a sense of want. They want to be able to feel comfortable. They want to be sustainable and environmentally friendly and have something that gives them the ability to reuse these gowns. Um, and so I feel that's where we've really shifted into, into that focus with our gowns and it's it's nice to see that GPs still want to request these gowns they like wearing them they get a lot of joy out of them and they help the patient the number of kids I've asked how many puppies on this gown why I look in their ears or do I have a good moustache as I look at my moustache gown or you know what color is my flamingo when they look at me like I'm a silly doctor of course they're pink Dr Kirby but um you know it's a real it's a topic point and yeah. I find my pediatric patients absolutely love them and I'm really proud to see the smiles on their face well, speaking of paediatrics, um, now we hear you have a Barbie award from Mattel. Um, who doesn't love Barbie? <laughs> oh, look, this was, this was the biggest shock of my life was the Barbie award. I honestly, for the first two to three months, thought that the reach out to do a Barbie in my likeness was spam <laughs> um, because it's not anything as a little girl, you would ever think would happen to you. And certainly as an adult, you think, oh, gosh, this is not real. But sure enough, it was. And within a couple of weeks, I, I had a Barbie in my likeness. She's been developed in the US, hand-painted, one-of-a-kind, no other Barbie like her in the world. And here she is in one of our Gown for Doctors gowns sitting on my desk. Once again, another talking point for my patients and, and my little patients. Um, and I think it's a nice reflection to see what women in medicine can achieve, yeah. recognising our different upbringings and our different struggles to get to the career that we are able to provide the community. And so I really use it as an opportunity to talk to my young patients, particularly girls, to say, you can really do whatever you want to set your heart out to do. Mm. And no matter what that is, focus on it and work for it because your opportunity should be the same as anybody else's and, and grasp that dream. So it's a really nice it's a really nice opportunity for me to be able to express my journey but also encourage their journey as well. 
And that's what Mattel wanted, isn't it? What they were celebrating uh, girls or women working in STEM and that's yeah. a really important serious message about encouraging women in their careers and girls into into science-based careers like medicine and health. Absolutely, Claire. I looked at the statistics recently for women going into areas of STEM and it's so low. Six to ten percent of women will finally finish a tertiary education in the areas of STEM and it's declining unfortunately and I think women have so much to offer particularly in areas of healthcare. I mean we're compassionate people we have an amazing journey to share with our patients we have a lot to offer we're teaching the generation below us and the one below them about making appropriate choices moving forwards looking after their health bringing up their children preventative health the list goes on and so something I'm really passionate about. Tell me, how did you get into rural medicine yourself? Did you have a rural background? Gabrielle, I grew up in Charlton, which is in north central Victoria. There was about 800 people in my town when I grew up. I was in a tiny school of about 14 kids in my class and I was the only girl who studied science. I did biology, chemistry and physics as the only girl. I had two other boys in my class and I was taught by my best friend's teacher. So my experience of secondary education definitely had a rural touch to it. I left Charlton to study science at Deakin University down in Geelong and as much as I loved the coastal change, there was something drawing me back to the rural location of Victoria. And so I did, really did a big circle. I went from Geelong to Melbourne, did my honours in, in research in Melbourne, and then I went up to Sydney for my medical degree, and then I returned to Melbourne. And then I realised that Melbourne had terrible traffic and it was 40 minutes to get to work and house prices were expensive and parking was expensive and I didn't know anybody. So I packed up my house, I moved to Bendigo, and I've settled here and I absolutely love it. Fantastic. That's brilliant. So, Kirby, I guess one thing we would love to know is what people can do to support gowns for doctors if you're hoping to make that a sustainable, fabulous um, opportunity and um, for, for, for doctors to purchase or to, to receive them yeah. um, because they're free. Um, Absolutely. What can people do? Donate or what's the best way? Look, thanks, Claire, for giving me this opportunity to talk about creating a sustainable project for our gowns we have a gofundme project a gofundme page i should say called gowns for doctors uh, searchable on the gofundme website a hundred percent of donations made to the gowns project goes into manufacturing the gowns so purchasing fabric and building the gowns into a gown and posting the gowns to GPs and other health professionals across our country. I accept calls for gowns boxes far and wide across Australia and also Tassie, still Australia, but over the ditch. <laughs> Sorry to our Tasmanian colleagues. Uh, <laughs> look, they've managed really well with COVID. So, you know, they haven't needed many gowns, but I, I appreciate that a lot of them now are starting to get in a, a little bit of hot water. Well, um, look, even this week, we've sent gowns to Western Australia. I've just done a big run up to Queensland as well. 
and a really heavy demand from our colleagues in Victoria. Um, it, it does take a lot of work to fold the gowns, pack the gowns into the box and send them out, and that's all done by the Gowns for Doctors team after hours. And so we can be a bit delayed in getting them posted, but we're doing our best, particularly with the current demand in the Omicron uh, outbreak. But Gowns for Doctors on GoFundMe is the best way to donate for anybody who is wanting patterns to start up their own community gown making please sing out to me on my email address at gowns number four doctors at gmail.com and I will send some gowns out to anybody gown patterns to anybody who feels that they want to do some sewing on the weekend beautiful do you sew Gabrielle I'm not a big sewer you're a gardener I'm a gardener. Okay. We can't help you. We don't sew. Sorry. <laughs> can we donate money? Absolutely. I had a lovely GP from um, New South Wales send me a message this week saying, Kirby, I've tried to emulate your gown pattern. I've sewn a few and they are terrible. Please send me your pattern. And so I've just sent her two boxes of gowns and a couple of Barbies and a pattern. So hopefully she's feeling a bit better about her, her sewing skills this That's week. That's great. That's great. Well, hopefully across... Australia in the rural sector, all of the sewers will um, will be uh, involved and 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 rally to to the cause, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, Dr. Kirby White, thank you so much for chatting to us on Build 'em Up. Yeah, it's been wonderful hearing yeah. about the story. Terrific. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Gabrielle. Thanks, Claire. It's lovely to reflect on how the project's going. So, thanks so much. You're welcome. Think it's time to come together and be the spark. Let's be the spark and build them up from the ground up. Don't lose heart and don't lose touch. Build them up to stay in the fight. Gotta keep the hope in the country alive. And thank you for your support in talking up rural health across Australia and our thanks to NBN who are lifting digital connectivity and capability across rural, regional and remote communities. If you like hearing upbeat, community-driven health stories, head to ruralhealth.org.au forward slash build them up. Seen tears from channels in the dust Along the lines of the cracks on a face Still the magpies sing